You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Hey, and welcome everybody to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. My name is Aaron Lutz. I help pastor Clear Creek at our East 96 campus and guest hosting a little bit this summer. But man, I wanna thank you for jumping in and listening today. We just started a new sermon series called Good Job talking about the redemption of work. Like how do we treat our nine to five, our vocation, as a place that God can use for our good and for his glory. So today we're taking a little spin off of that series and talking about retirement. How can God use the years after we work for our good and for his glory? Well, today I'm excited to sit down with Greg Murphy and Glenn Lutz. Thank you guys for jumping in the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Nice to be here. Hey, for those who don't know, Greg Murphy is an elder at our 528 campus, helps serve on our tech team with his wife, Carrie, uh, and has attended Clear Creek for how long, Greg? Uh, For 16 years. 16 years. Awesome. Uh, And Glenn Lutz, if you don't know him, serves as a navigator, serves on our finance team, helps set up at East 96, and has the joy of being my dad. Uh, So I'm looking forward to a conversation with him too. Uh, Dad, how long have you been at Clear Creek? 22 years, 20. three months, 17 days. <laughs> Not that you're counting or anything. Yeah. 22 years is probably what you're looking for. Yeah, 22 years. Uh, so let me ask you both this. Before we jump in, hey, do retired guys even listen to podcasts? Is this on your radar? I still. Pod what? <laughs> <laughs> Greg, do you ever listen to them? Uh, occasionally. Occasionally? Not on a regular basis. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. I know you've listened to some like even walking and yeah. doing some of those kind of things. After right? retirement, I got into it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, obviously, today's conversation isn't just helpful for those who are retired. Uh, I think it's really helpful for those who are still working, too. So uh, as you look back over your respective careers, I think you both have unique perspective and wisdom for those of us who are, are working as well. So we'll start with this. Uh, tell us about your careers before retirement. Greg, let's start with you. Okay. Um Early years, I worked a lot of construction jobs. Okay. Uh, I uh, landed a uh, position, pipe fitter uh, at Amico mm-hmm. Refinery in Texas City, and uh, stayed in that, went to school at night, mm-hmm. um, got a degree uh, in 88, uh, started in 83, got a degree in 88, uh, position open, a salary position opened in the process analyzer group, and I became one of the first process analyzer specialists. Mm. I did that for a number of years, um, I would say 10, and around 98, um, I um, moved into the capital projects group. Okay. At that time, there's a lot of environmental projects that required process analyzers, and mm. they need specialist in that. So I, I did that. Um, and I was, uh, um, I would say more a coordinator. I had a okay. title of a, uh, engineer, okay. uh, project engineer, but it was more of a coordinator role. Um, and stayed there till I retired. Cool. And, 2018. So you worked your way up through, put yourself through school, kind of held different jobs in your career. Uh, Dad, what about you? So I got out of school in 82, and then I uh, went to work for a contractor at the NASA site here in Mm -hmm. Houston, and uh, then moved over to the government in 88, and mainly worked with spacesuits or spacewalks, most Mm -hmm. majority of my career. Um, As the hair started turning gray, they Mm -hmm. kind of moved me up to more leadership positions. 
and then spent the last quarter of my career basically helping others succeed and meet their goals and the agency goals. Cool. Um, and then did a little bit of planning toward what NASA's going to do in the future. That's kind of where I wrapped up. Very cool. So NASA, Johnson Space Center, I worked for a contractor as well. Uh, I've told the story at East 96, Greg, you probably haven't heard this, but uh, my grandfather worked at NASA, my dad worked at NASA, and I was the black sheep that became a pastor <laughs> instead of going the science and math route. Uh, but both like impressive careers. I mean, God has used both of you in the workplace in different ways. Uh, one of the things we're talking about in this series, because good job series, is that God created us to work. So not necessarily a specific job, not just a project coordinator or engineer, uh, but to see the creation mandate in the scriptures, this idea that that we're called to cultivate the earth, to exercise dominion, to to be fruitful and multiply. So how did that, the creation mandate, how did the the Christian worldview shape how you worked during your careers? I think for me, it's, um, there's always an honesty element Mm. in the work that you do. Um, and um, regardless of whether people say it or not, bosses, coworkers, what have you, they see that mm. and they realize that. Um, we had a, for a number of years, had a Bible study um, group at church, yeah. uh, met once a week, and uh, there was quite a few, um, um, met quite a few people through yeah. it, and uh but I think that's one element of it. I don't know. There's, there's a lot more to sure. that. But. Sure. Glenn, what about for you? Well, I, I kind of always had a philosophy. Um, I tried to uh, work so that I could live and mm. go out and do whatever God had, had me doing. Support my family, yes. I make sure that uh, put food on the table and uh, took care of what I was given responsibility over. But I didn't uh, work. I didn't live so I could go to work. Mm. And so I tried to keep that idea going. I also kind of always have had a, a in my DNA, just kind of servant. Mm-hmm. And so working at NASA where you're trying to meet a goal together as a group and bring us all along on the team, I just fit yeah. as well as outside of work. Yeah. So I saw a lot of that firsthand, just being in your family, right? Your family and life balance, you shaped those things well. Um, it was interesting for me, run into people in town who knew you in the workplace and like, dude, your dad's a big deal. I'm like, my dad's a humble man. Like, I didn't know a lot of those things. Uh, I'm curious, being in a, in a science-minded industry, how did your Christian worldview shape working in the science world? Or did it? It did. Uh, so there's a lot of PhDs at, mm-hmm. at NASA, obviously. Yeah. <clears throat> and then we, we've discovered a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but I was always able to see God's hand in that, mm. um, even the technology in the spacesuit arena. Yeah. Um, it's, it's miniaturized so that we can go up in space and all that. Um, but I was able to see God in that. Um, and so that it just was a good fit for me. I, didn't, I never had that, that uh, tension between mm. the two. Good. Good. Yeah, we did that faith and science series a while back, and a lot of our NASA people dug that, man, because we were speaking their language. There is a lot of PhDs, a lot of people asking science-minded questions, and so we can even link to that in the podcast for those uh, in that world. You know, one of the dangers of work and career is that we can tend to find identity in our work. So I'm a project coordinator, I'm an engineer, I'm a pastor, and I'm curious if how you dealt with that during your career, um, but not only during your career, even as you retired. So like, did you find it difficult when that was no longer part of your identity when you moved into your retirement years? I'm curious about both of those. Like your identity while you're working, did you struggle with that? And then moving out of working, how have you processed that? 
I'll start with Greg. I think I did to some degree. Um, you know, you wake up in the mornings and you're no longer going to what you do, yeah. you know, and yeah. uh, that's that's uh, a bit strange. Mm-hmm. Um, the identity part of it, I uh, I struggled a little bit. I, don't, I wouldn't say to a great degree. Yeah, yeah. What about for you? I think early in my career, I, I probably introduced myself as I'm a NASA mm-hmm. engineer. Sure. Um, then my daughter started calling me a nerd herd. That's <laughs> uh, true. And so uh, that humbled me a little bit uh-huh. and put me in my place. Um, I think as I got older, um, NASA was like number four on my priority mm. list. You know, I was a Christ follower. I was a husband. I was a father. Now I get to call myself grandfather. Mm-hmm. And so those were better terms. And so went from NASA engineer to now I'm Brenda's husband. Yeah. And I feel really good about all that. Yeah. That yeah. transition. I think there is a danger, I find it for me, uh, like to find my identity and what I do versus who I am. So we, y'all have heard us talk about this around here, but spiritual growth, like our identity should drive our activity. Who we are determines what we do, not the other way around. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in the series uh, as we progress through this Good Job series. But I'm interested for you guys to, to give us some insight into retirement. So we're talking about the years after work. Uh, give us some insight how you processed your readiness for that. Uh, how'd you know that it was time? Who were you processing that with? Uh, just kind of walk us through how you got ready to retire. Uh, Dad, let's start, with, let's start with you on this one. All right. So... Um... I had a pretty good model in my father. Now, he mm. retired when I was pretty young. I was still in college. But I got to see a little bit of that. Um, he wasn't a very talkative guy mm-hmm. either. Um, so after he passed, I saw a lot of, in his file cabinet, just huh. reams of stuff that was really kind of interesting, gave me a perspective into that. So Brennan and I just started talking about it, um, what retirement could look like. So just like any project we did at work, we kind of dreamed. Mm-hmm. Here's here's what it could look like. Yeah. And and so your your DNA kind of drives that. You know, this wasn't going to be, you know, life of the millionaire, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, private jet, mm-hmm. private islands, all that kind of stuff. Um, so you kind of had a picture of what it, what it could be. Um, and then just like at work, you, you got to plan that out. So you go get with the right people, whether it's engineers and mm-hmm. stress guys or – financial guys and people have been there, what I call gray hairs. So yeah. I went and talked to people and got some really good perspective and helped refine what the dream could look like. And yeah. then eventually you got to execute that. Right. And so then we started financially moving things and and getting prepared for um, when the alarm goes off mm. and you don't have to get up, yeah. and when you can get up. Yeah. So, so we executed the plan. So that's kind of the the three-part thing I would think about. As just watching you do it, I mean, you were an engineer by trade, but you were an engineer in towards your retirement. So I got, you know, planning those things out, Excel spreadsheets, but it wasn't just the the financial side of that. You know, we talked about this before we get started, but not everybody has the financial means to be able to retire. There's some people who work till the day that they die, and it's a, it's a grace gift from God to have Absolutely. the finances that God has gifted you men to have to be able to do what you did. But I also watched you process, not just with work people, but with people in the church, like the community of the church was helpful in that for you. You don't have to name names, but some guys that helped you process the spiritual side of that. What did that look like for you? Yeah, so I had talked about what uh, where one of my big goals was to continue to serve, mm-hmm. find where God is, and then join Him there. Yeah. And so talking to people, what what do you see in me mm-hmm. that that you can see me using that elsewhere? So I got a lot of good insights into that, and then through some networking, found. Mm-hmm hooked up with some people said, 
you know, here's an opportunity. Go yeah. pray about that. And, and they were like, that's, that's not a fit for me. And then <laughs> now that I'm in there, oh, my gosh, what a great fit that was Good. that someone saw that I didn't see. Yeah. Yeah, so there was the financial planning side. There was the what is next for me side that was tied to the spiritual stuff. And we're going to talk more about that here in a second as well. But but Greg, I'm, I'm curious for you, how did you process your readiness for retirement? How did you know it was time for you? Uh, the readiness part of it was, um, well, I could say years ago, took a uh, Dave Ramsey uh-huh. uh, Financial Peace University. That helped a lot. Yeah. Uh, as far as um, eliminating debt and that sort of thing, I kind of smiled when I read the uh, the question uh, <laughs> about this because uh, I was part of a uh, a downsizing. I'd been uh-huh. at at this location. Uh, I say this location, this refinery. Uh, it was actually on its third name, uh, third owner. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had a downsizing, and I was part of that downsizing. So my readiness was to boot out the door. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily your decision, but somebody else's decision. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I was blessed that uh, we had a 401k, a pension, a matching savings plan. Um, so kind of the combination of, you know, what I, like I had said before, the— uh, uh, the Dave Ramsey part of it and getting rid of debt. And mm-hmm. um, um, there's a little more I'll talk about that later. Cool, cool. Um, so stay on this readiness thing for a second. So uh, I'm curious for you, Dad, what was the greatest motivating factor to take that step? Was it uh, the dream that you had? Was it the, the, the finances were in place? Were, were there other things you wanted to do? Like what was the greatest motivating factor for you to step into that? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it was the opportunity to prioritize where God would use me rather than just fitting it in around mm. work. Yeah. Um, so when you're working, um, you still I still always wanted to serve. I I was serving before that before that date as well, um, but able to prioritize around that was yeah. a big deal for me. Um, on the, kind of the last question, you kind of talked about some wisdom that I was given. Yeah. I think one of the financial pieces that was given to me that was really helpful for me is, you know, you always have to know what is enough. Hmm. And people throw out numbers. Um, but but just talking and praying and, and working with, with Brenda and some financial people to define enough for me. Mm-hmm. And when you got to that, then then you could prioritize, yeah. and that made it much easier for me. Yeah. It's a very different decision, but when I was processing, when I was ready to get married, I remember having a conversation with you over the phone about, like, I don't know if I'm financially ready <laughs> to be able to make this happen. And you're like, when it's the right thing to do, God will provide the finances for it, yeah. right? And, like, you may never feel like there's enough or you're ready, but uh, when, when God makes it clear, it's often time to move and follow Him. So. So we talked about this a little bit. Go ahead. What were you say, Greg? No, I just said agree. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we talked about this a little bit, but we we all kind of dream about retirement. You know, what's it going to be like? What are we going to do? What are we not going to do? Like, what's the first thing I'm not going to do when I don't have a job anymore? Uh, Greg, you retired what year? How, how long ago? 2018. 2018. And Dad, yours was? 2021. 2021. Uh, so has it been what y'all thought it would be over the last four years, over the last year or so? Uh, has, it, has it been that? Or what surprised you after you retired, if you I think it uh, it has been. It's been nice um, time with family, mm. uh, trips that we've taken, that sort of thing. 
Uh, the thing that surprised me, uh, how many people are still on the streets at 10 o'clock in the morning? Huh. <laughs> That's funny. It's like, do these people work? <laughs> it's, like, it's amazing. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, other than that, it, it's been good. Good. Enjoyed it. Good. What about for you? Yeah, have, had I known how good it was, I would have done it earlier. <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's been great. Good. Um, it gave me a sense that I, I kind of, even on the, my calendar, mm-hmm. used to drive my life. Yeah. And now it kind of taught me that you know a, a slower pace is not a sin. Mm. That's good. That's good. Uh, both your wives are still working. Is that right? Is Carrie still yes. working? Yes. Uh, and I know my mom is still working a little bit. Um, but y'all have gotten to do a lot. You travel together in the summers. I know both of y'all have taken some big trips. And so uh, you've gotten to enjoy the fruits of your retirement a little bit. Uh, but I want to spend a little bit of time talking about what you're doing now. Because the reason I reached out to both of you is I, I, I'm really impressed by the ways that you're using the years after work uh, to continue to work, but doing a different kind of work. So let me ask you this. Um, before we talk about what you're doing in, in your, your work now, was there ever a time you just rested? Because I know both of you, one of the things that motivated your retirement is like, man, I get to go serve and do something different and just not have to get paid to do it as much, right? But was there a time that you just rested or did you feel like you immediately needed to fill and do that next thing? What'd that look like for you, Greg? For me, people that know me, I'm a pretty laid-back guy, Are so you? no, I had no issues resting. resting. Um, it's not a fact. Uh, I kind of laugh at Carrie. I bought this kitchen towel that that hung on the uh, on the oven handle for quite a while after I retired. It said, "For every man that's retired, there's a woman wishing he would go back to work." <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So it had been an issue for Good me for as you, far man. as the rest. Good yeah. for you. What about you? Yeah, I did a little bit. I think there was always a concern in my mind that that I would get bored, yeah. and um, I never have gotten bored. Um, but I got pretty busy into things, not rapidly, but pretty quick. Pretty quick. Yeah, I know that was part of your processing of retirement. It's like, yeah. hey, what's the next thing I can do? And so uh, I, I appreciate that. But I also know God calls us this idea of rest. What you said earlier is like being slow, slowing down isn't a sin. If, and if anything, it's a command of God to Sabbath and to rest. Um, but like I said, both of y'all are doing some really cool things in retirement. So I'd love for our church family just to hear what you're doing. Uh, and maybe more importantly, not just what you're doing, but why you're doing what you're doing in retirement. So give us a little bit of both. Greg, start with you. What are you doing in your retirement and what motivated you to do that thing? Okay. Uh, well, the year before 2017, before I retired, we had the flood, had Harvey, yep. and uh, our house flooded. Um, so... Um, we were dealing with that. Uh, I got involved with uh, 4B disaster response, um, kind of through eight days of hope was down yeah. four times in 2018, and I kind of started with them. And it wasn't until full-time, probably 2019, I started uh, with 4B. And um, 4B is a group of churches that got together that, hey, we're all doing the same thing. Let's, why don't we do this together? And so uh, uh, partnered together. Uh, our Chris Austin is uh, chairman of the board. And um, so basically, in a nutshell, what it is is people that aren't able to, you know, or could afford to rebuild their homes, yeah. 4B jumps in and does that. 
And what's cool about it is um, when you're at somebody's home, mm-hmm. I found out early on it's personal. Yeah. It is very personal there um, that you're in their home. And the fact that you're in their home to rebuild their home at no cost, um, uh, it has a, a huge impact on mm-hmm. them. So we're able to go in. I've been into hundreds of homes, pray with the homeowners, um, you know, and actually do something uh, to help them out and get them down the road. And the gratitude is, you know, over the roof. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's sit there for a second. So uh, after Harvey in 2017, uh, we learned quickly that everybody's going to jump in on the rescue, that immediate aftermath. Uh, each church is kind of doing some of that relief effort but the long-term, long-term recovery, like no one church can handle all of that. And so that's where 4B disaster response came in. It's like, we're going to be the long-term <clears> recovery. <throat> I saw an email this week that the goal is 500 homes. And yeah. they've been in, how many do you know the number? It's close to that. It's 460. Yeah, something. it's awesome. I mean, that that's completions. They're, they've oh, been, wow. 4B has been in over, I don't know, 1,000 homes. Probably. Yeah. homes yeah. Yeah. So how did uh, the way the church responded to you and your family after you flood, how did that motivate you to then be in people's homes? You talked about that a little bit, but what was the personal impact that you and Carrie felt when the church rushed in and helped in the recovery? Yeah, it's like, uh, it's kind of hard to describe. I mean, it's, um, like I said, it's your home, it's Mm -hmm. personal, and you're there with this, I don't have a clue what to do next, uh, and then boom, people show up and start doing, and it's it's like it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's uh, God in action. Yeah, uh, it's cool. So some of that like personal, uh, you know, motivated you to do what you're now doing in retirement. And so uh, let's talk about this. How how much time have you donated? You know, donated. How much time have you given to that organization? Uh, what does that look like on a weekly rhythm for you or monthly rhythm? How often are you kind of working with Four B? Well, Four B. I mean, their kind of work schedules off on Mondays and work Tuesday through Saturday okay. because people that come in to donate their time is usually on a Saturday. Gotcha. <clears throat> um, and so I generally work pretty much full time. Wow. Um, not always on Saturdays, but yeah. a good good portion of it. Cool. And for those that don't know, we're, we're still mobilizing volunteer base to go do that, right? There are churches that contribute volunteers that yeah. serve on a weekend to go do yeah. that with their small group. or. Yeah, it's, it, you think five years down the road and people are like, there's still people. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. there's not as many, but... Um, yeah. And the work is everything. Uh, flooring, electrical, mm-hmm. plumbing, yeah. uh, drywall. Roofing. What was interesting for me is in the immediate aftermath of recovery in Harvey, you saw people who had the skill to do plumbing or electrical, and they were like excited to use the gifts that God had given them to serve other people. And even here, you talk about your career, like early on in construction and then working through going to school and project coordinating, like God's able to use all of those things, even in your retirement to serve 4B disaster response. Sure. Yeah. Um, the other thing that happened was uh, in... 20, was it 2020, 2021, the freeze? Yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, I won't go into the whole story of what was going on at 4B at the time, but when the freeze happened, it was kind of switched gears and mm. started doing freeze homes. And I guess what reminded me of it, you were talking about people serving. We had plumbers from Arkansas that showed uh-huh. up 
for a week just because they wanted to serve. Wow. Uh, that came down to use their talents to yeah. uh, to serve during that period of time. Yeah, that's really cool. It's really cool to see. Um, Dad, why don't you tell us a little bit about the same kind of thing? How are you using your retirement? What are you doing now uh, with the time that God's given you? Yeah, so I <clears throat> was really just looking for an opportunity to serve, and mm-hmm. so things kind of came up, and then I had to go looking for a few. But um, at the church, yep. I got with uh, JB mm-hmm. and his uh, Wednesday group. And he comes up with projects to do around the church, just service projects. And that they're nothing, a lot of skills you needed mm-hmm. to do that, but it's just fun to be with those guys yeah. and, and do things that are uh, in need. And we were pretty active during the 528 kind of closeout over mm-hmm. there almost every day yeah, trying to get right. them to the finish line. And that was, that was a really cool and exciting. Um, outside the church, uh, got involved with this group called Youth for Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just kind of getting to know each other, and, and I, they didn't know me. I didn't really know them, and so we are in a lot of conversations. I ended up on their board, mm-hmm. and so I served on their board for a while. And, and now after we got to know each other a little bit, kind of fit into uh, one of their aspects is to reach out to 11- to 19-year-olds. And I'm in the juvenile center mm-hmm. um, a couple times a week uh, doing Bible studies and just mentoring these guys and, and gals on occasion mm-hmm. um, to try and get them back to where— um, they can be outside of the juvenile center and, and back into communities. So that was awesome. I um, that doesn't look like spacesuit engineering, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but it is uh, it's something that God led me to. And it, and I, I tell people it is uh, some of the most humbling and mm-hmm. blessing opportunities that I've probably ever had. So. Yeah, that's what I was going to point out too. Is that, like. Greg, a lot of your stuff lined up really well with what you did in your career to lead you to a place where you can now use those gifts. Some of what you did in your career, the strategic planning, mobilizing people, getting in the right position, you can do that on a board position at uh, Youth for Christ. But being in a juvenile justice center is very different than what God had you doing in your career. Um, So I know you've adjusted well to that. Maybe tell us just one story, don't use any names, obviously, but like of a kid you've gotten to meet with or an impact you've been able to have uh, by being the juvenile Justice Center and what's going on there. Okay. Um, so most of these young men are <clears throat> um, in this program for about six to eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they come in, the first aspect is just kind of uh, adjustment. They don't want to be there. They, right. they don't like this. Um, and so you've just got to be consistent. Just show up um, every time and let them know that uh, you love them mm-hmm. and you're there for them, anything they need. Um, so one of the gentlemen, um, he went through that process and, and got to a point where uh, I could just tell that he was more re- ready to receive some some messages. And sometimes it's hard messages. We just go through Bible studies, mostly the Gospels, yeah. so they can see Christ's love for them. And um, this, I could see it was really sinking mm-hmm. in. So the questions were coming back much more deep mm-hmm. and uh, put me, you know, got to be on my toes here. Yeah. And uh he came to Christ That's um, awesome. Awesome. in the center, yeah. and um, now he's talking about wanting to get baptized as soon as he gets out. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, this is what we're all about. So. Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. One of the things you and I have talked about is as kids come to faith there, like one of the most important parts is helping them get connected to a local church after. And, you know, like the, the, the baptism, for example, is a role the local church will play to help that kid be connected to that local body and ask for recommendations for churches in Texas City and in Dickinson and Lee City. And so we've had a lot of those conversations. Uh, put you on the spot. Tell me one more story. Uh, you talk about the chess piece thing. You've told me about this a little bit. If you can tell some of that story, I'd be interested. Uh, yeah, so... 
as an object lesson, when, one time I was there, I brought a chess piece. It's in my pocket. Yeah. Um, it's a pawn. Mm-hmm. Um, so the pawn, if you know anything about chess, and these guys play chess at the center in a the center, lot. Yeah. So it, that's kind of why I used it mm-hmm. as an example. Um, so the chess piece, the pawn, is the weakest member on the board. You, it can only move one at a time. And really, whatever the chess master moves, it, you just have to do it. Uh, and so I try and put that myself in that chess piece. You're, you're just there doing whatever God wants you to do, one, mm-hmm. one step at a time. Don't need to know why the big plan. He's got the big mm-hmm. plan. Uh, but the pawn, when the chess master knows what he's doing, can go all across the board and become the queen. Yeah. And then you can do whatever God needs you to do. You have all, all the power that he's given you. And so I share that with them um, as an example for you guys in the room, um, the, the juvenile guys, mm-hmm. how you can do anything. God will strengthen you when you need to know it. And so almost weekly they ask me if I have the chess piece in my pocket. <laughs> and uh, I always do. And then when they get out yeah. and what they call graduation, um, I give them a chess piece. Yeah, that's awesome. I think a lot of those guys look forward to that. It's like, I'm going to hold on to this piece as a reminder that, man, God's moving me one piece at a time. I don't always understand the story, but he has a plan. I'm willing to follow his plan. That's, that's the awesome. plan, hopefully. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I'm curious about this. Uh, spiritually, how did retirement uh, impact you? How did it change your relationship with God, uh, with his church, not just in serving the church, but you know, did retirement give you more space, more time? Did it increase your trust or did it make your relationship with God more difficult? I'm curious about that. I think for me, um, more space, uh, yeah. able to spend more time, my mm-hmm. time. Um, so in that regard, uh, that's how retirement impacts. So it. positively impacted that. Positive, yeah. Good, good. What about you? Yeah, I would say it would be positive. Obviously, you have more time. Right. Um, you can prioritize the way. Um, it's better to serve. Mm-hmm. So that was not an issue. It has given me a little chance to do more seeking mm. of him um, and and not just prepare for a lesson because I've got to be a, a deadline on right. Tuesday nights, but it's what is that trying to teach me a little bit? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been great. Cool. There is a little bit of that though, right? As you prepare to teach, like you learn by teaching. And right. so like you going into the juvenile justice center, like you're not preaching a sermon, but you kind of are every yeah. once in a while, you know? And so like that, that uh, intentionality to learn in a way that you're going to share with others, uh, you, maybe you didn't have the space in your schedule to do that when you were working full time, but now God's given you that. It's awesome. Well, I'm, quite, I'm curious about this. We'll make this our last question, but from your vantage point, uh, what wisdom do you have for the 35, 45-year-old guy that's in the middle of their career? So I'm asking selfishly. I'm, you know, I'm at that part of my life. Uh, what would you give, what wisdom would you give guys that are kind of in the fat middle of their career? We'll start with you, Greg. Um, I would say get into a regular Bible reading plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, you you become closer to God. You get to know what you know what 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 God has for you. We've been talking about God's plans for you. Well, God's plans for you today as well as in the future. Yeah. Um, so if you do that on a daily basis um, and it just becomes your routine, then that's a daily routine with yeah. God, and uh, you get a closeness and, you know, the promptings as far as, you know, guidance, which way I need to go. Mm-hmm. And, um, church has an awesome, uh, reading plan. Yeah. It's basically all in one place and keeps track for you. And yeah. so, uh, that's cool. 
we'll link that in the description of this podcast as well. But uh, I feel that because I think there's times in the working world, I'm a type A personality. I like to set goals, accomplish things. Like the more stressed I am, the more I wake up with that thing on my mind, uh, the more my quiet time gets condensed. And I'm, I'm rushing out to do the next thing, to accomplish the next thing. When in reality, like I think your vantage point would say, no, slow down, like spend good time with the Lord, slow down uh, before you get to work. So that's, that's really helpful. Reminds me of uh, John Ortberg's book, uh, The Life You Always Wanted. There's yeah. one part in it when he's, he's kind of at that point in his life uh-huh. and he goes to the most godly man he knows and he asks him, uh, he says, uh, so have you got any pointers for me? And he goes, yes, you need to eliminate hurry yep. from your life. Yep. He said my response was, that's a good one. What else you got? <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. We've said this recently, but hurry is the opposite of love. Like you can't love people when you're in a hurry. You have to slow down. And so I have to preach that to myself regularly because uh, I like to run fast. And so it's helpful. It's a good, helpful reminder, Greg. Uh, Dad, what about you? From your vantage point, what wisdom would you give somebody in the middle of their career? I, I should have talked to Greg earlier. This is good <laughs> answers. Uh, I, I like his answer a lot. I, I'd just say, you know, Love where you are. Mm. You know, live with uh, all the blessings God given you right that day because um, you don't know how many days you have. Um, but then do plan a little bit. Look ahead. Um, get ready. Dream what it could be. Yeah. Um, with with uh, good counseling from uh, godly leaders mm-hmm. and uh, friends that you can trust and hold accountable to your plans, I think that's great. Good. I think that's great. Good. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to think about what the future is when you're in the middle of it. It's like the, one of those things we got to like uh, get outside of it to work on it a little bit when you're in the middle of working in it. It's one of the phrases we use a lot. So that's really helpful. I appreciate uh, you guys thinking through that. Anything else we didn't cover? You're like, man, this is the most important thing in retirement. You didn't even ask me about it. <laughs> no, but I can't remember one thing that uh, as far as a tip, uh, yeah. it kind of stuck with me. Uh, Dave Ramsey and his course said, uh, when you're looking for a money manager, find one that has a heart for your money, not for their own. Oh, yeah. He said it's like 75, 25 in their favor. Uh, uh, so you need to, uh, so that's stuck. That's wise. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Very cool. Well, guys, thank you for joining me on the podcast. And I have a lot of respect for both of you men for the way you lead in the church, but also the way you lead in your homes. I obviously got the benefit from being a home that you've led uh, for a long time. But the ways you're using your retirement to glorify God with your work is really impressive too. So thank you guys for jumping in. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.